Welcome to the Executive Suite, a podcast by the American Chamber of Commerce in Taiwan. My name is Julia Bergstrom. I'm the senior editor of Topics, our monthly magazine diving deep into the business world here. Each month, I sit down with a leading figure in the community to discuss management and gain insights that can help all of us in our careers. For this episode, I'm delighted to introduce Alison Fry, General Manager for North Asia at Columbia Sportswear. Starting out as an outerwear designer, her career has evolved into design management and seasonal product direction. Allison has worked for Columbia for nearly two decades, focusing on relationship management, manufacturing, and business strategy. She's now based in Taiwan after stints in South Korea, Indonesia, and the American Pacific Northwest, where Columbia is headquartered. Welcome. I'm really excited to have you in the studio, Allison. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, and you have a very interesting background, actually. That's quite rare, if I understand it correctly. In your industry, you have a degree in apparel design and production, and you started your career as a designer in various companies before becoming a director at Columbia. Now you focus on manufacturing and leadership. How has your background in design kind of helped you make that transition, and does it influence you now as a manager? It does. It definitely influences me in management today. Prior to my design background, I was a classically trained ballet dancer. Oh wow! And that experience really formed and kind of structured my design mm-hmm. career. And I still carry that into my manufacturing management today. Probably more so in some ways than the design piece. All right. And I think part of that is because when you look at the the career of a dancer, there's a lot of technical expertise that goes into that. A lot of rehearsing. And then you have to combine that with the music and other dancers to be kind of synchronized. And there's the costumes and the theater, you know, mm. and the lighting and everything that goes into a performance that is then performed in front of an audience, mm-hmm. just like a, a customer at Columbia Sportswear. They vote on how you do performing through applause and donations and coming back, mm-hmm. just like a customer does purchasing apparel. They are going to vote for your company based on. Did they like the quality? Did they like the aesthetic? And they'll choose to come back and spend money if they like what you did. And that structure really kind of honed in my design capabilities because I knew no matter how creative I was, I had to work with people in merchandising, finance, um, the costing team, the sourcing team, and all of these things have to come together to build something that you can commercialize. Wow! And make money on. And so. That cross-functional communication, the partnership building, the ability to take feedback and criticism, mm-hmm. you know, that maybe you're not doing something the way that you should or people don't like your sketch of a hood. You know, those types of things have really, you know, kind of become who I am as a manager today. Yeah. And I still really work with the teams in manufacturing on the same fundamental kind of characteristics that I got from design and ballet. That's really cool. So you were a professionally trained ballet dancer, and then you studied design, and you started out as a costume designer, right? So was that kind of what inspired you—the seeing all the costumes when dancing? Or it did. Growing up, I always loved being in a costume shop, and I spent a lot of time sewing ribbons and elastic on my point shoes. Oh, <laughs> so wow. I knew that when I transitioned from 
dance into a different career, I knew that I wanted to take some fundamental sewing or design with me. And I really did think I was going to end up in costume design until I ended up at Nordstrom Product Group doing an internship in design and production planning, and I really fell in love with the creative process of design. Wow. Do you have anyone in particular that you look up to in the design world? I do. It's, I actually, there's kind of a fleet of people that I look up to. They were all these, like, heritage, iconic American designers and brands, and I love the story behind people like Levi Strauss, um, you know, I think Hamilton Carhartt, the workwear company out of Detroit, Michigan in the 1800s, even people like Ralph Lauren. All of these people, their family helped and they're still involved in the business today. And they haven't really changed who they are. You still see a link between what they first started designing and what they have in the product line today. And Paul Lanfram, who's the founder of Columbia Sportswear, he um, still has his family very visible in the company. His daughter, Gert Boyle was the one that really took the reins of the company and made it what it is today. But Tim Boyle, her son, Joe Boyle, his son, who's the president of the brand today, and his sister Molly, they're all very active in the company. And I think there's something common about these types of designers and companies where the employees and the partners that work with them feel just kind of a unique sense of pride because they're continuing this legacy of these people that worked really hard and built history. That's really cool. And so kind of keeping the essence of the company as mm -hmm. well. Yeah. What would you say is the essence of Columbia? I think it goes back to really the roots. They started out as a hat company and then kind of morphed into hunting and fishing. Um, so it was really all intended for the outdoors. And I think that's something that is still really vibrant today. We actually just produced 100 of the original Columbia Sportswear fishing vest. It was this, oh. the first design <laughs> that Ger Boyle designed. And this will be showcased in store windows around the world. And it's really exciting to see that that fishing vest is still alive and useful today. Wow, okay. Do you think it's still fashionable today? I think it is. It's. I would say there's different versions of it. It's definitely more functional. Mm. But I have seen fishing vests on the runway. Mm. And it's, you know, it's a really iconic that speaks to the brand. Yeah. And your own journey, it's built on passion and very inspiring, but it must have also been quite challenging to make all those transformations. So did you have any mentors that helped you in your career? And if so, what did they teach you? Yeah, I did. I had a mentor. There was a point in my design career where I knew that I had passion beyond that. And I, I didn't know what direction I really wanted to go. There were different fields in manufacturing. I knew that I wanted to work more on the front lines of design, and I thought that that would be in the factory setting, working with the people that are actually cutting the fabric. Mm -hmm. um, and so I would have a lot of discussions with people that I worked with. One was our country director of Sri Lanka at the time, and I remember a quote that he said, um, stepping outside one's comfort zone is the precondition to self-development. Mm. And that really resonated with me because I was really uncomfortable sitting in on meetings with people from, you know, finance and costing and having these discussions about things that I didn't understand outside of design. Yeah. But I knew in order to get where I wanted to go and really work on the front lines of product development that I would have to take kind of a leap of faith. And 
It turned out that a few years later, that individual became my manager and hired me and moved me to Korea. Oh, wow. Okay. And yeah, you've overseen Colombia's business in Korea, Mm -hmm. Hong Kong, China, Japan, Indonesia, now Taiwan. How do you think living and working in all these different places has informed your own management style and your career? Yeah, it's it's interesting because what I did learn is that your management style has to be flexible, that what works in one country or with one, um, you know, cultural group doesn't always work the same way with another. Um, the cultural gaps and uniqueness between people is it really has to allow you to think about how to manage effectively mm. and in a different way. But I think despite the differences, I have found there are some common threads with people, no matter what country they're from. I think that people have a set of values that include wanting to work in a safe environment, Mm -hmm. wanting to feel included and like they fit in. So being able to create, you know, an inclusive space. I think people fundamentally want to be trusted. They want recognition when they do a good job. They want to have fun when they're at work. And I think all of these things really resonate no matter what country I worked in and who I was, you know, managing and partnering with. They wanted those same core values. Wow. And how did you like living abroad and living in all these different countries? Is that something you would recommend for people to seek out in their careers? I would. I mean, it's really at the core of getting out of your comfort zone because Uh I spent the majority of my career working with people in different countries through email. And I would go on these, you know, one to two week business trips. And you really only get a taste of what's going on. You know, people are on their best behavior. Mm. The factories look spotless, you know, so, (laughs) you know, when you get there, it's not what's actually happening behind the scenes. And I think you need to spend time with people and really understand how do people process conflict? Mm. How do they deal with issues? You know, how do people really communicate and what are the kind of the driving forces behind people that inspire them? And I would not have picked up on any of that had I just come on, you know, a couple business trips every year. So living And breathing the culture is really, really impactful. Mm. And with all these different experiences that I'm sure shaped your management style as well, how would you describe your management style today? Do you have a particular uh, leadership philosophy that you follow? How do you manage people? Yeah, I've started to realize that I really love building high-performing teams, Mm -hmm. and I've learned that the biggest piece behind that is actually sits in the hands of the leader. And mm-hmm. so I've, I've kind of taken it upon myself to say the team doesn't need me in the day-to-day, you know, managing the tasks of the business. A lot of times you're actually in the way as the leader when you do that. But I learned that empowerment and building an inclusive environment is a really big job of the leader to do to set the team up to be successful. Um, you know, I think when you look at empowerment, the team can't just be empowered by turning on a switch. You know, I think they need very clear goals and strategies so that they know the vision and what they need to do. They need process and clear SOPs and decision-making rights so they know how to do what they need to do. Mm. I think they also need, you know, the skills. So as a leader, you might need to help them develop skills and refine technical capabilities. And then they need a broad network. And so being a leader who can help connect people, introduce people, and foster those relationships, then you can really have an empowered team 
to be inclusive, I think that you really need to help people understand how to connect and collaborate upstream and downstream mm -hmm. and what their individual role can do to impact both of those partners and then how to really, you know, inclusively work together to make things, you know, streamlined and seamless. I think that people also really need to have that cultural awareness and be aware of the cultural gaps between different cultures and people, how they communicate, their work style. There's a lot of invisible differences that you mm. don't see on the surface. And so I think helping people navigate that and just be more inclusive of people sitting outside of a home office is really critical. And then the partnerships, again, at Columbia, we don't make anything. Mm. We build strategies. We have financial targets. We have people that draw pictures of garments that we'll make, but we don't actually make the products that we sell. Mm. And so having partnerships with suppliers and vendors that sit outside of the company network is just as critical as fostering partnerships with employees. Yeah. And so those are things that I get really excited about building and helping you know, the team really feel empowered and they can do their job. They feel included and they can really manage the business. I really like that, including people empowering people and connecting kind of their individual roles to the bigger picture. But you've also gone through, I think, quite a common challenge, which is moving from a more technical role mm -hmm. into or a more specific, you know, skill set role into management. How did you go about that? Were there any big challenges in doing that? There were at the beginning. I My first management role, I moved from a designer position, outerwear designer, into a design manager position with two direct reports. And I thought that that would be a really good learning opportunity. And after about two months, I ended up with 23 designers reporting. And so I was just thrown in to management. I had no training or background. And I've always been a little bit more um, introverted. And so that was really an uncomfortable position to sort of step outside that. But I think that Again, knowing people that you can turn to for advice and coaching really does help. And I have found at Columbia Sportswear, it's such a supportive group of people that they want everyone to be successful. And so mm -hmm. that really helped me along the way. But um, it was a lot of trial and error in the beginning mm -hmm. that got me to where I am. I also think it was just my creative background allowed me to really think outside the box and think about how I would do things differently. I find management more creative mm. than the ballet career that I had and the design career that I had, because you're really thinking about, you know, big problems, mm. um, people dynamics, you know, issues that you have to resolve, geopolitical problems. Yeah. <laughs> and those require a really creative mind, you know, to problem solve those. And I think that that's a talent I didn't know I had. Absolutely. I think you can read as many books on management as you want, mm -hmm. but you need to think for yourself, kind of adjust yeah. to the situation. And for people who are interested in working for Columbia Sportswear or in the industry, do you have any advice for those people? What kind of skills or qualities do you look for in talent? I've always looked for kind of a do-it-yourself attitude. Um, you know, everybody at work is busy and there's something really special about people who take self-initiative to find answers, you know, and, and really be an ambassador for their own learning and development. Those are things that people can help you with, but you've got to come with kind of a mindset of, 
this is what I want, this is how I think I can get it, and asking for help. I think those things intrinsically are, are really key for me. The, the ability to just always want to learn and grow, um, you know, the ability to network and know the importance of knowing who your partners are and what people are doing in front of you and behind you, you know, so that your impact on them is positive. You know, and then just really knowing how to maintain healthy partnerships because there's nothing worse than people working together that don't get along. Yeah. All right. So something that's important for all industries, but definitely for the apparel industry is sustainability and making a more sustainable business. And Colombia's sustainability efforts focus on three themes, empowering people, sustaining places and innovating products. Can you tell me a bit more about how that works in practice? Yeah, I think these three areas, they're all part of the company core values to do the right thing in the communities that we are in, you know, with the employees and um, and just with the brand identity. Empowering people is really about creating opportunity for people to thrive in their communities. There's a couple of really cool programs that we do. One is Planet Water, where we erect big water towers and provide clean water to rural communities. Typically, they're on the grounds of an elementary school so that children can get you know, clean water. Their families and the community has access to water. But they also do a lot of health and hygiene training. So the towers typically come with a soap dispenser. Mm -hmm. So we teach them how to wash their hands. That's a really interesting program. National Park Foundation has an open outdoor for kids program that helps get kids out in the outdoors. They do different field trips and workshops. Mm. And then her project is really, I think, a wonderful program for women where they focus on um, health and well-being, finance acumen, and gender equality. Mm. And so just giving people skills really turns into opportunity. And so that's a really interesting focus area. Sustaining places, like you mentioned, it's becoming more and more critical. People want to know what, what companies are doing to be responsible. The manufacturing sector is, you know, one of, I think, the biggest offenders for, and fashion, um, you know, for waste and pollution. And so we've been able to partner with groups like Clean by Design, where we really work with our factories on energy and water consumption and optimization. Um, Blue Sign is another one where they work with the supplier and the brand to create really sustainable manufacturing processes. And then we also work on tools that help track and monitor and build best practices around polluted air, wastewater disposal, you know, energy. So there's a lot of really cool things that we're doing there just to help maintain a healthy planet. And then innovating products. You know, we want fundamentally to be a sustainable company. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, being able to have programs where we're using recycled materials. Um, there's a couple of products that we make. Columbia Sportswear has an eco outdoor, you know, collection of styles where there's no added dyes or colorants. Mm -hmm. So there's not polluted water. It's recycled materials and there's no harsh chemicals mm -hmm. added. Um, our Mountain Hardware brand, similar thing. They do that with a sleeping bag. The Lamina sleeping bag is not dyed. It's a, a white sleeping bag that's all recycled. And I think those are really meaningful. Our Prana brand, which is our more lifestyle yoga brand, they have more of a circular manufacturing approach. All of their materials for packaging are recyclable and sustainable. 
They use a lot of organic cotton and hemp and really try to do the right thing within their manufacturing processes, all the the designs that they make. Mm. So that's another really important area to focus on. That's a lot. And I think especially when you make products and apparel that's supposed to be used close to nature, Mm -hmm. just caring for nature becomes extra important as well. So I wanted to deep dive a little bit more into her project. Mm-hmm. Because Columbia's history, we mentioned that before mm-hmm. as well, is also a history of female leadership, right? So yeah. what does it mean to have such a strong female leader figure? And how do you guys work more with female empowerment mm-hmm. through the Her Project? Yeah, Gert Boyle, um, who was the daughter of our founder, was a tremendous force of nature. She has a name, the One Tough Mother, and a lot of marketing campaigns She was really in a difficult position when she took over the brand. Her husband had passed away, and she was trying to figure out, does she keep the brand going? Does she sell it off to the banks? And she decided to persevere, and it took a lot of hard work, dedication, you know, kind of breaking the norms of gender and just becoming a very smart businesswoman. And she was always dedicated to empowering women, Mm -hmm. Um, and that was something that, you know, she took a lot of pride in. The HER Project, I think, is a really unique program where the HER Project organization will go into factories. They work with a group of women on different training modules that would be her health related to health and well-being, understanding how to keep yourself healthy and how to take care of yourself when you're sick. Her finance is focused on just saving and financial acumen and independence. And then her respect is really focused on gender equality Mm. and opportunity for women. So when they do these training modules, the workers then will take out that knowledge to the factory floor. They'll train the co-workers. They take it home to their families. And the knowledge and the lessons end up in the community. So the impact is pretty widespread. And yeah, we've had some great success with factories that have rolled out these programs. And you see less absenteeism and Mm. turnover because of health-related issues, less compliance violations. So it's been a really interesting program. It's fantastic. I like the focus on a wider impact. But looking at Taiwan in particular, what has been the focus of your sustainability efforts here? Yeah, Taiwan, for Columbia Sportswear, we are the material hub. So we are able to work directly with textile manufacturers on programs like Clean by Design, One of our largest tier one suppliers was in the pilot of Clean by Design. Mm. Um, And so being able to really look at their energy usage, their, you know, the water optimization. So that was one group that we partnered with. And then with all of our suppliers here, we have a sustainability manager. Mm -hmm. And his role is to connect directly with these groups. He uses a tool called the HIG Index to track and monitor all of their environmental, um, you know, output. He works with them on a climate report that we publish every year. He helps to partner with them to understand the greenhouse gas emissions baseline targets that they're setting Mm. and really helps to implement best practices. So I think he's kind of on the forefront of that whole material piece here in Taiwan. And then with our local team, We also try to get involved. So we worked with an NGO called Rethink and did some beach cleanup work. We did that with the team just before the pandemic and included some supplier partners um, in that activity. 
we've tried to do things like Earth Day celebration, mm. um, you know, and so just helping the team also understand the impacts, you know, and educating them. Yeah. I think we also worked with Rethink uh, at oh, Amcham. Nice. Yeah, oh, that's, very cool. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, they're a good organization. And Columbia is one of the few apparel companies that put factory ID numbers on your clothing labels so that customers can find out where their Columbia clothing came from. How important is transparency for your customers and your brand? It's very important. And I think it's becoming more and more a requirement of doing business. We know that our consumers want to know where their goods are coming from. Yeah. And they have a lot of power with the money that they spend. They can choose to shift their dollars to another brand that they have more trust in and that's maybe being more transparent. So um, we've been working with Open Apparel Registry for probably the last 15 years or so in having this interactive transparency map on our webpage. Mm -hmm. And you can go, you can take that number that you find on your label of your clothing you can look that up and find exactly what country, what factory produced that piece of clothing. You can get a profile of that factory, what all they produce, how many workers they have, some of the programs that they have, like if they're in, engaged in Planet Water or Clean by Design. So you can really understand what these organizations are doing and then who their supply chain partners are as well. Mm. So that's really, really interesting. You can also go in there and just kind of glow around the globe to see, you know, in Indonesia, how many, you know, garment manufacturers is Columbia Sports we're working with. All right. And also quite a few in Taiwan, right? Yeah. It's very mm -hmm. close to manufacturing here. Yeah. Taiwan is very big on textile mm -hmm. uh, manufacturing and export, right? Yes. Yeah. That is our, our number one activity here is the textile exporting. Mm -hmm. um, we have had some finished good vendors here that are, you know, really good long-standing partners of ours, but the majority of the business is material. Mm. And you've been in Taiwan for a couple of years now. Mm -hmm. Have you had any chance to explore the outdoors yet? Are you, uh, which places have you been to so far? And are you wearing Columbia sportswear when you go out and about? Yeah, I do. I love to get out and wear test the product. Mm. Um, so that I can give feedback, you know, mm. to our teams. And um, I was so blown away when I first moved to Taiwan how much green space there is just in the city. Yeah. And coming from Jakarta, where it's difficult to walk around, mm. um, this was really surprising that it's such a safe place. So I love the outdoors in the city. Mm -hmm. um, I've also spent some time in Sun Moon Lake. I live in Tianmu, so I'm right at the base of the Tianmu Historic Trail. Oh, so it's really nice. fun to get out there. And from time to time, we have monkeys yeah. in the neighborhood. So it's kind of a cool <laughs> outdoor experience. One of the places that I was really surprised by, and I hope I don't mispronounce this, Yeliu, oh, Yeliu. is uh, the geological park on the north coast. I grew up in in the West and my family, we did a lot of trips to Zion National Park, Arches National Park and the Canyonlands and the same rock structure is out there in the desert, this sort of worn, you know, wind-blown water structured, you know, rock and it was really incredible to see that along the North Coast. So it, it kind of took me back to my childhood. Yeah, for me as well, actually, when I visit there, because in the, I'm from Sweden originally, mm -hmm. and on an island east of Sweden, we have very famous rock formations called Rauka. And I was looking at the ones yeah. in Yelua, and I was like, wow, this is so similar. It's very really unexpected. Cool. Yeah, and you can kind of 
let your imagination decide what the kind of formations they are. So, but apart from going outdoors, what else do you like to do when you're not working to kind of relax and recharge or regain your energy? I, depending on my time, I do like to travel. I like to go to small islands and kind of get outside of my comfort zone where I'm a, a minority. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love textiles and I've always been a sewer, so I enjoy doing embroidery and hand sewing. I taught myself how to paint during the pandemic, mm, so wow. with YouTube. So <laughs> I enjoy watercolor. I, I kind of have one style of flower that I mastered, but that's something that I enjoy doing. And then just, um, I really enjoy cooking and getting out and eating and trying new mm. places, you know, and just sort of wandering around in this city that, yeah. you know, I didn't grow up in. Yeah. Do you still go to the ballet? I do, yeah. whenever I can, and I've been trying to get into the ballet here oh. in Taipei and see some of the performances. It's cool. So for, for as an expert on uh, Colombia and outerwear or, and apparel, uh, I think our listeners are very curious about the one piece of outerwear or apparel you think that everyone should own. This is hard because um, I would have to say probably a pair of really good pants mm -hmm. that you could wear on the trail, but also wear with a pair of heels and a blazer oh. to a business dinner. I love multifunctional apparel. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily like convertible zip-off pants that turn into shorts, mm. but I really um, I like pieces that you can you know, have different types of uses for yeah. and it might have properties like water repellent or, you know, something that keeps you protected or warm. So there is a pair of pants in the Columbia line that I love, the Aruba. It's from our fishing line, but oh. I can wear it out to dinners. I can make it look dressy and then it's great hiking around and, yeah. and being active. In. That's actually surprisingly good advice because that has happened to me once. When I was at a conference in Taipei, we had a dinner, kept on moving on to KTV, and then someone said, let's go up Elephant Mountain and watch the sunrise. <laughs> and so we did, and that would have been the perfect yeah. uh, pair of pants to wear for yeah, that occasion. absolutely. <laughs> oh, wow. And so this is called the Executive Suite, S-W-E-E-T, because we love suites at the Amcham office. Mm -hmm. uh, so my final question to you has to do with sweets and it's what snack or candy do you recommend that people take with them on hikes? I always, and I think I have some in my bag right now, I always have trail mix that I make. I mm. love mixing kind of my own things together. Um, and there's always different types of nuts and chocolate. I love gummy bears. And oh, yeah. this reminds me of Sweden <laughs> because there's raspberry drops, yes. I think is what they're called. Yeah. I love things like that mixed into my trail mix. Oh, okay. Nice. So it kind of keeps me energized and it feels a little bit healthy, but there's also chocolate and candy yeah, mixed exactly. in. Yeah, exactly. It's still some fun in there. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much for coming on today and speaking with me. I learned a lot about management and the industry and just you. Thank you so much. Thank you. This has been great. Appreciate it. And as a little thank you uh, for coming on today, we also have um, a small gift. And it's from our last guest, John McMillan of Hologic. It's a mm -hmm. 
female medical devices company, medical technology company. We asked him what his favorite American pie flavor is, and oh. he said apple pie. Oh, so excellent. I have some apple pie for you. Thank you. Yeah. That's fantastic. This will be great. Yeah, so I hope that could it. also keep you energized in addition to the trail will. mix. <laughs> yeah, it reminds me of the United States too, the apple pie. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> great. Thank you so much, Allison. Yeah, thank you. This was the Executive Suite, an audio version of what we cover each month in topics from the American Chamber of Commerce in Taiwan. We are now in print, online, and wherever good podcasts are found. In this feed, we will also be bringing you monthly updates on the major domestic and international beats moving Taiwan. This program was created with help from Ghost Island Media, Taiwan's leading podcast label. Make sure you check out their other shows. I'm Julia Bergstrom, and I'll see you next month.